As we've uh, journeyed down this road with Paul, this road trip through Romans, uh, this summer we have shared together in readings from not only the Revised Standard Version, New Revised Standard Version, uh, the New International Version, and several others, we have shared in readings from the message. Some of you may actually have that paraphrase of the Bible written by Eugene Peterson. It's a fascinating writing of the Bible, a rewriting of the scriptures, in order to put it in the vernacular of our culture. And I would like to read what Gary just read for us in the words of Eugene Peterson from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. Listen to this reading of the scripture as well. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us from within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. And the more joyful our expectancy Do you remember that Jesus had instructions for his disciples when he sent them out to carry nothing with you? This is Matthew's 
Mark's and Luke's remembrance of Jesus' specific instructions to the disciples. In fact, as Matthew has it, Jesus spoke these words. He said, take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. Now, I don't know exactly how this came down because as Mark remembers Jesus' telling of this story or as he has received it, he at least allows us to take a staff and to take sandals. I'm sure some of the disciples were glad of that. Now, it's interesting that Jesus instructs them to basically take nothing with you. This doesn't describe how our family gets ready for a road trip at all. I don't know if your family is like our family, but when we began to put designs on heading down the road, we began to scavenge the entire house for everything that we don't want to leave behind. The only thing left there is the kitchen sink, I suppose. We gather up suitcases and bags and coolers and totes and every conceivable thing that might be put into the car that would have some little bit of importance for us. The way it is with us is that all of these things gather near the back door and then I carry them out and stack them around the car And then this is where it gets interesting because I actually take pleasure in this, the geometry of packing. Is there anybody else here like that? (laughs) It's wonderful to try to figure out how you're going to fit everything in that little space that we call a trunk. And so I will, I will begin putting things in and sometimes I'll have it 90% packed and I'll say to myself, Nope, it's not going to work. And so I pull it back out and start all over. Now, Sue does not put herself through the agony of watching me do this. She's still in the house, you understand. It's an obsession. We try to get as much as we possibly can in that vehicle, not wanting to think to ourselves later that we might have left something that we needed but there is this coming to realization that not everything is going to fit into the car if we ourselves are going to get into the car and so we begin to evaluate Sue finally comes out and we look things over and she says Okay, the rod and reels cannot go this time. And I look at her and hesitate and I I give in. I say, okay, they do not go this time. And then I look and I say, okay, and I don't think we've got room for that hair dryer. And she she says, okay, maybe there will be one there, you know. And finally we get into the car and we're headed down the road. And we say to each other, 
If we've left anything, we can live without it. Have you ever said that? And then you follow it with the words, if we really need it, we can buy it when we get there, right? You've been there. You know this, don't you? It's, it's incredible. We go through this every time we take any kind of significant trip. The Apostle Paul is sharing with us from his very heart in Romans 8, all the way through his writings, he does, but particularly in Romans chapter 8. This is a hinge chapter. These words are vitally important for our understanding, not only of the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, but even more importantly, coming closer in on this study, this preaching study on the book of Romans, it really connects the beginning of the book with the end of the book. It's important that we know what's going on here as this hinge pivots at this point. He says to us basically that we become trapped by the thoughts of those things that we can't leave behind. How many of us take things that we really don't need on our trips? We get there and then we get back and we've not touched certain things that we thought were so absolutely necessary. We become weighted down by that. Almost like barnacles on a ship, we carry this weight with us. But Paul is saying that we do this not just not just metaphorically, physically with with our trips that we take, but we do this in our thought process. There is so much of who we are in our old life that somehow we hold on to and carry into our supposedly newly blessed life in Christ. But you'd never know it because we're so bound by those things that have been a part of our past that we just can't let go of. You and I know together that a part of really accepting Christ and inviting him into our journey and our becoming a part of his journey is letting go, letting go of those things that are non-essentials to what life needs to be. I tell you, it's better than we could ever expect. Paul says, you remember, don't you, that we are heirs. We are children of God. We've got it all here, even before we leave. But you can bet that when we arrive at the destination, we're going to have glory galore as we celebrate together face to face with our Lord. It is an unbelievable inheritance. We are children of God's Abba, Father. We are your children. I like how he reflects here so honestly. He says... I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing 
with the glory about to be revealed to us. We take that verse, we do it some disservice. It's not that it does not refer to world events or community events that we encounter that are difficult for us to comprehend, that make us question, where is God in the midst of this? I mean, did any of that come to you in reflecting on the downing of that Malaysian airliner this week? Did it come to you at all to wonder, where's God in the midst of this? Does it come to you when you think about the events of this morning on the Gaza Strip and wondering what's going to happen next? Do you worry over that? Do you think to yourself, where is all this going? Paul is including those world events when he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing. But he is really focusing. Remember, I told you this is a hinge chapter. He is really focusing on what he has just said to us In chapter 7, do you remember what he said? I shouldn't ask that. That's a dangerous question. That's a dangerous question for preachers to ask. Do you remember what we've already learned? You remember that we considered these words by the Apostle Paul just a couple of weeks ago. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate, for I know that nothing good dwells within me. You remember those words? Paul, Paul is, is still focusing on himself here. He's hoping that the early church at Rome will overhear and will say to themselves, okay, I see myself in what he's going through. That he is, when he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, he is referring to the sufferings not only that come um, unbeknownst to him by some power outside of himself he is also referring to the damage that he's doing to himself on a daily basis by holding on to everything that Christ wishes for him to release in order that he can be fully a part of this journey these sufferings are important for us to acknowledge and confront. In fact, it would help us greatly in our waiting. Our waiting must not be passive. It must be active. In fact, Paul says it must be expectant as Eugene Peterson says all around us we observe a pregnant creation now any of you who have talked with Sue or myself just lately have already understood that we are preoccupied with something that is very important that's going on in our family because our oldest daughter, Margaret, is carrying... It it really doesn't matter that it's her child. This is our first... This is our first grandbaby. Now, she has 
She has suffered, and Sue has had many of these conversations. This has been rough for her. This has been a long summer for Margaret. She, she, she's huge. You ought to see. <laughs> she is huge. You should see the pictures that she sends our way. She is huge. And, and yet, ne'er a time, even in the worst moments of this pregnancy, and there have been some hard moments for her, even in the worst moments, ne'er a time has she been heard to say, oh, I wish I wasn't pregnant. Not once. Why? Because, and some of you know very well, because you have carried children yourselves, because your life is so tied up with this unborn, which really is already, already very, very alive and real. You know where I am? Very, very alive and real. We repeat on Sundays together the Lord's Prayer. We speak these words. Even some of you speak them daily, I'm sure. At the instruction of Jesus to his disciples, you've taken that to heart. And you speak these words so regularly. But do we comprehend the significance of saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not just some future thing. This is Christ being made known today in us now. Paul is saying this is happening now. We are not just waiting on some future event. We are in Christ right now expectant in chapter 8 verse 24 the apostle Paul says something that is confounding he says for in hope we are saved now does Paul does Paul not know that he's, he's getting it all wrong here because we know that we are saved by grace through faith? Oh, I'm forgetting. Paul wrote that too. You want to check it out in Ephesians chapter 2. Where was Paul going with this? I believe that... He was trying to get through to a church at Rome for whom hope had been lost for some reason or the other. Do you remember how after Jesus' death and his resurrection, although they did not really know it yet, 
There were two disciples that were journeying on the road to Emmaus, and a stranger came and walked with them. And as Jesus, who was the stranger, walked with them, oh, let me read this to you. It won't take long. Listen to this. It's incredible. Here we go. He said to them, even though their eyes did not recognize him, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. Let me repeat that. But we had hoped. This is in past tense. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. There are lots of things we put in our trunk. Too often, we fill it up with despair. Sometimes despair is sitting in the seats of the car. We might get ourselves into the vehicle and realize there we're not the bundle of joy that we might thought we would be <laughs> or someone else in the family who is carrying despair and it affects everything doesn't it in the car everything everybody that is there but for those who are packing lightly who are carrying the essential things. Those who have had the foreknowledge to pack hope. The journey is entirely different. It is this hope which must be rooted, is rooted in the reality of something that has already been given. This expectancy that is already in process. In fact, it is so real that we would say it's already happened. And so we who consider ourselves to be Christian do ourselves and the world a disservice if all we ever point to is the sweet by and by and that place to which finally we will reside with the eternal, our Abba Father. Because why? Because 
Our Abba Father wants to be fully with us here and now thy kingdom come on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And so what is it? All this stuff that you can't leave behind. You and I need to get this right. Our packing for the journey. It's absolutely critical that we be a people of hope. We've been enjoying these, I hope you've been enjoying these Cokesbury hymns that we've been singing this morning, have you? Um, some of you have, have been enjoying it. I could tell it by looking at your faces. And we've got one more that we're going to sing, and I want you to pay close attention to it. Now, there are songs that we sing that focus us on the time that is to come, but this is not one of those songs. This is a song about embracing the reality of God up close. It is quoting from Isaiah 62, verse 2, that our name as God's people is Beulah. This is Beulah land. And so pay close attention to how very, very present God is as we sing this song together. Let's stand as we sing, Dwelling in Beulah Land. 